Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian Smith back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me uh, the medium Isabella Johnson. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Isabella, and then we'll do what we always do, just have a conversation. Uh, Isabella is an evidential medium, a medical intuitive. She's a grief recovery special, and she's a remote viewer. And her website is thesoulreadingmedium.com. Isabella is also a fellow Shining Light parent, uh, having a daughter in spirit. So I want to welcome you, Isabella, and, and thank you for doing this. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, I know you're, you're really, really busy, and I want to talk to you today about, um, we'll talk about so, several things, but I really want to talk to you about soul planning, which I think okay. is a new concept to a lot of people. And what that is, is the idea that we or someone plans before we come into this world, what our lives are going to be like. So tell me what your impressions are of soul planning. Well, as I understand it, there really is a very uh, substantial team around all of us before we come into our physical body. And we do that in tandem with them and everyone that would be in our, our life or soul group this lifetime. We look at some of the challenges that we want to take on, some of the big lessons that we'd like to grasp really firmly here. And then we just kind of have it unfold as we go along. There really doesn't seem too much room for error or not meeting those goals, as best I can tell. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that people, for me, I could, and I, I didn't hear about soul planning until, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. It's a, it's a concept I think that is new to a lot of people. And there seems to be some, you know, you and I were talking before we got started, there seems to be some pushback from people about whether or not this is, a, you know, a real thing. Right. Um, and, and you and I are both parents with children that are in spirit. Mm-hmm. And so when this comes up, I, was, I had a reading actually with uh, Suzanne Wilson, was the first mediumship reading I had. And I remember saying to me, you're, I'm glad I'm not in the room with you because you probably hit me. But your daughter is telling me that this couldn't be any other way. Um, so how do you feel about that? Do you think you and your daughter plan? Yeah, absolutely. And I hear that all of the time when I'm working. I'm, you know, it, dealing with a lot of parents that I do or being able to communicate with their children in spirit. It's really a profound statement, almost exclusively at the beginning, that this was always going to be how this 
ended between us for this part. You know, this was, this was always supposed to be exactly as it was. There was no mistakes. Um, I find that's really heavily highlighted when someone might feel a lot of guilt or remorse or especially, you know, the, the bargaining stages I mentioned to you, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, mm-hmm. if only, what if, those type of questions that we all ask, regardless of the type of loss that it is. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because um, I work with a lot of parents that are, that are grieving and, and guilt seems to be almost universal. Right, no it matter, is. No matter how their child passed, whether I should have been there, I should have known this was going to happen. So have you come across that also? Daily. It, it is. That, and, but I think it goes beyond losing a child. It really can be for any substantial type of loss. You know, we seem to have a, a better grasp or handle on losing parents or grandparents or someone where we think it's age appropriate. And we don't seem to ask it that much. But it's a powerful question that we should look at before we actually need to look at that question. What what am I supposed to be learning instead of seeing ourselves as a victim in any situation? It, that asking this question of why might I plan this is is powerful. It empowers people again. Yeah, I I think it does. But um, I guess for some people, they feel like it. They feel like um, it takes away their free will. We've got this big thing about free will, right? So I right. can I can do anything I want. I can my the, my future is uncharted. It's up to me what I'm going to do with it. So how would you address that? Well, I, I, I do believe we have free will. I don't think that this, uh, you know, life planning takes away from that in any way, shape, or form. We have a tremendous amount of say, especially before we get here, if we agree or disagree, or if we, maybe that might be too much for us. Um, we take on a lot of, I think in this time, especially we take on a lot of roles that perhaps maybe it's the first time since we've been here that we've decided to take on this much. And it can feel disempowering when we come here. Um, to, to see how all of these events happen. And, and sometimes people do prefer to look at it, that there's some extraneous force outside of us that's just randomly taking people we love or costing us a relationship or a job or, or what have you. And really, I think we set these things up or agree to these lessons before we come here and then just have the beautiful gift of forgetfulness of that. Yeah, um, I, I find it very empowering, though, because regardless of how far I feel like I might have deviated from that life plan or, or that lesson I was going to learn. In reality, it's really impossible to do so. And we do have free will in, in the physical body. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, my friend Sarah Rubin and I have talked about it, and she's really, you know, really a, a staunch soul planning, you know, person. And, you know, we and I, I, I don't know how I feel exactly about the free will, but we, what I do think is we have free will, at least in the planning. Right. Because there is this idea, a lot of religious people have this idea that, you know, God planned our lives and whatever happens to us, God has put this on us. Um, well, I, I believe that God plays a part in in planning because my understanding of God is love. And I think any major religion is going to have that at the core of their essence mm-hmm. is God is love. I do not see God as a, a Santa Claus in the sky. That's not my relationship with God, and, and, and that's okay if yours is. I'm not making a judgment on that. Mm-hmm. I think that God just supports and loves us regardless of what we're going through. And so I do think whatever God is to you absolutely plays a part in this before we come here. Yeah. After it, it feels like much more of a supportive role, an encouraging role, you can absolutely do this. You're doing beautifully. You're doing well. That's another interesting thing I found with people in spirit, regardless of what their life was like here, they have a really deep um, appreciation for anything that we might view as struggles to go through. They really, they really see it so strongly as these were our lessons. These were what we were supposed to do. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's also we talk about the soul planning and the different perspective, you know, from the higher perspective, of course. Mm -hmm. So some people will say they'll go as far as to say, well, this life is just a simulation or it's just a dream. It's not really real. And whatever we do here doesn't matter. What would you how would you address that? I agree with that partially. I mean, listen, the, the longer that I do this and the more I know, the more I realize how very little I know. I, mm-hmm. I, my, my information on this is minute. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a simulation. I can't disagree with that completely. But I do know that this life, us being here in a body, is not what's real. This is really just the one place that we can come in where we can have these different experiences. And instead of learning about them and hearing about them from others, we can come in and profoundly have that experience and grow from that and and do differently or do better or do worse sometimes than, than we might have done before. I, I Maybe you can tell from the way that I'm talking, I do believe in reincarnation. I, I think that's unimportant if anyone else does. Um, but perhaps let's say that I come in and I've lost a child in this lifetime, which I have. Maybe part of the reason that I go through that is because maybe my child lost me in another lifetime or there's some balancing out, so to say. So I want to experience both sides of that. Is God in that? I absolutely see God in that. Is, are, is my support team in that? Absolutely. I see my support team in all of that as well, too. I don't think it takes away from any part of our free will to accept that these are, these are our experiences that I agree to. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about the the simulation, what I what I what I look at, because again, it's it's one of those things you can look at both ways. Right. So it is kind of a, a simulation or a dream, if you like, in the sense that it's temporary. So we go to sleep and we dream at night, and it's temporary, and we wake we wake up and we're okay. But when we're in the dream, when we're in, it this feels state, very real, it's right? Very real. It is it, real. Yeah. It all. I have very tangible items around me right now. I this appears real to me. Is it is it real in all of reality? Probably not. I, I liken it better to we're all on a we're all in a movie or a play, and each of us have different varying roles. It might be a starring role, it might be a supporting role, it might just be a walk on character in someone else's experience. But is it real in that moment? It's real. Yeah. So so you and I we 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 plan this with our kids. We plan to go through this. Why would we do something like this? Well, perhaps it's not even for us to go through this. Perhaps it's for their soul's growth or or my partner or my child, you know, another child. It, it, I, I don't think I have all of those answers right at this moment. Some are very mm-hmm. easy to make out. Um, I had some, uh, one of my most powerful experiences in this type of work was talking with a parent that lost a child to gun violence. And that child came through really strongly, really profoundly and, and said, this was how it was going to be. I agreed to this so that we would do better as a people so that there would be, you know, we would view this kind of act differently. So in that situation, I think many others, there's a much bigger purpose for this than just you and I as parents in that situation. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too, because we, um, we tend to think of like, okay, everything that happens around us is, is, 
like I planned, it, and especially with our kids, right? We we look at our kids as kind of extensions of us. Absolutely. So we think, why would I plan this? And it's maybe we should turn that question around and say, why would my child plan this? And there has to be agreement. No one just gets dropped down. Hey, this is going to happen to you. That has never been any. That, that's not even close to the understanding that I have of any of this. It is a really well planned. Um, scenario let's say you know or, yeah. or or we come down and agree to this and and i think sometimes we'll have those little bleed through moments those little memories it feel like deja vu or something just feels familiar or a lot of parents in particular will talk about i just had a sense with this child that i wasn't going to have them as long there seems to be some things that can come through that are just us remembering slightly yeah did you have any premonitions of your daughter's passing absolutely absolutely i knew from the moment that she was born that i would not have her i i didn't know the details or specifically mm -hmm. but i i absolutely i i had that and as i was getting closer to when she passed i tried to dissuade myself from this so that that cannot be right uh very overprotective very over mothering in some situations and i i couldn't prevent any of it and it's been that way with every significant loss in my life that little knowing that something was going to happen and then mm -hmm. having it happen. And one of the things that allowed me to survive it was knowing so deeply that this was always how it was supposed to be. There was nothing that I didn't do or missed or could have done to change it at all. There's other parts of grief that I have to deal with, but that one seems to be a little bit easier for me because of this belief that I have. Yeah, and I think that's really, really important, Isabella, because we were talking about how, you know, when we when we talk to a lot of people, particularly parents, there's this almost almost always seems to be this feeling of guilt. Right. And if you can, if you can, I, I hate to say rise, but if you can get to the level of looking at it as this was planned and that every person's passing transition is planned, we all transition. So mm -hmm. it's only a matter of when and how we transition. And with free will in there too, Brian, I mean, the two things that I've never been able to negotiate or, or sway at all has been first breath and last breath. Always those seem to be just profoundly written in. You know, maybe there's a little variance where if it wasn't this day, it would be the very next. Or if it mm -hmm. wasn't a car accident, it might be, you know, a, another type of event that takes them. But, but as best as I can tell, those things just cannot be changed at all. Yeah. So the, the coming in and the going out. So again... Right and I, I want to keep hitting this point because I think it's very important. There's no, there's no reason and there's no benefit in feeling guilty about someone else's passing. Right. Which is also looking at their passing as a tragedy, which is what we tend to do. But from your well, perspective, our, especially children, you know, those are, that's our only job with this child is to keep them here and keep them safe and happy and healthy and, and what have you. And then, and then that's removed from us. And, and we have a very difficult time allowing grace to come in and just go okay this was how it was going to be and i i don't think it's in it for me it was rather easy but that doesn't take away from the fact that i beat this i beat the heck out of myself for a long time mm -hmm. and it was just this little voice this was always how it was going to be remember that remember and and it it finally got entrenched in me with that yeah so you you do a lot of readings for parents um what when the kids come through where are they? Are they happy? Are they healthy? How are they doing? Absolutely. I mean, they're, I, I, let's, my word is heaven. We can use whatever where, you know, afterlife. I, I have never seen anyone in spirit that, first of all, is afraid to be there, is, is unsure why they're there, is stuck, or conversely, bothered that we need to talk to them so much. I think that's a big one I get. Am I bothering them too much? Am I keeping mm. them here? First of all, impossible. 
there is at first, firstly, there seems to be a real sense of homecoming and reunion, especially even if it's a younger child and maybe there's not someone there that you are afraid as a parent might know them. They mm -hmm. always seem to be surrounded by caretakers. Um, and then it's a real, it starts to be a life review, which makes a lot of sense to me. If we've planned this, why would we not review how we've done? And that's a very supportive place for people in spirit as well, too. There, it can be a slow process or a long process. It's different, unique for everyone, but there really seems to be a lot of support in that process. And, and again, they're just always close to us. It's not a far, far place away. It's very close. It's another plane, not so much another place. So can they tell what we're doing here? Or are they still with us? Uh, I, it's been my experience that they know what we're doing here. I, mm -hmm. I have one lady that I talk to rather frequently who, who lost a, a very young child. That child comes through and will just list everything the mom has been doing for the last three months. Like literally talk for the entire hour. And now that's unusual. Mm -hmm. But you, oftentimes they, they, they do talk about things that are going on here. They also talk about areas where they wish their parents or loved ones would kind of let some things go. They really reiterate to me, to, the, to their loved ones, hey, this, this was how it was supposed to be. This was always it. So that is always high on the, the list of where they go. So they care about our, our healing. And our, our they do care better. about our healing, but they also know that if we're still here, there's still a purpose for us to be here. Our life plan is not complete. You know, what we decided to do, and I, I think that's where, and not, not exclusively, but that's a big area where we do have a lot of fruit will. You know, we can take this loss and we can suffer with it and we can be bitter and angry. And, and that's okay oftentimes to be that way for a short amount of time. But we can also live and we can also honor our child or our loved one and, and continue to have growth here. And that's their highest goal for us. That's what they want us to do. Yeah. So how would you encourage parents that are going through this or not just anyone, but parents, I think in particular, because you and I share that. Right. How do we start healing from this? Well, I do think it's important to go through the steps of grief. You know, the shock and denial seems to take up just about the first whole year. And then the reality of it sinks in and it's just this constant pain, the bargaining, um, the anger, I think is such an important part to to not forget about or to, to push away too much because it really will propel you to the acceptance part of it. Um, how I deal with parents is just, you know, trying to to let them know their loved one is okay, their child is okay, to continue that conversation, to have that that connection, to figure out how to have a relationship with them just in a different way. That's my best advice for parents, other than to give evidence that, you know, this is who I see, this is how they're coming across, this is what they're doing, and this is what they're saying about you, going a little bit deeper and going, what do we do next? Yeah. That's not so, the beginning spot for a lot of people, though. That That's kind of closer toward the end, but, but I, it's possible for all of us. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, grief is, it's a process that we that we go through. And, right. you know, these things that we're talking about, I think, are tools that people can use to help, but there's still the process we have to go through. We can't bypass it. Yeah, know? and we, we oftentimes try. We, we yeah. try to do that or, or ignore what we're feeling or, or people around us will go, well, aren't you still sad about that? Or, you know, it's been a year or it's been six months. And I've had some people tell me after three months, People were impatient with them to get better. And it's it that that is a no-no. Take as long as you need. It it does change. You know, grief ages. That's about the best that we could say about grief. It's it's ever present, but it ages. Yeah, I like that ages because uh, you know, I, I'll talk to people and they'll ask me, Well, will I get over this? And I'm like, nah, I don't know if yeah. you'll get over it. Uh, you'll you'll learn to live with it and you'll get stronger right. and you'll and you'll grow, but 
I mean, do we really want to get over it? I'm sure you still miss your daughter. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 27 years for me, and I, I, last year was difficult. You know, not not a lot of years before that were, but I think it it, it comes in waves and it surprises mm-hmm. us. And I I would never want to put my daughter aside and go, okay, that's something I'm okay with. I, I'm grateful that I was her mother. I'm grateful she was in my life. But at this point in my life, I'm also grateful for the lessons her physical death gave to me, which is a lot of compassion, a lot of understanding, and and really the search that I went on, even doing this work, I, I wasn't particularly searching for why did this happen. And that really kind of propelled me to look at the reasons why this this might have happened. Yeah. Now, Isabella, are you, are you, have you always been a medium? Have you always been able to I talk have. to spirit? Okay. This is always, since I'm 51, and for 51 years, it would be very weird if this went away. <laughs> I, I see people outside of myself, and it, it's just innately a part of who I am. But I really didn't have the 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 push to to do a lot of deep diving on this until it affected me personally. And I think for a lot of us, that's how it is. We we don't really question our beliefs until we're forced to. So that's a gift and it is well too. Yeah. So um, for yourself, so you've always seen spirit, heard spirit and things like that. So I think sometimes when we look at people like mediums and say, oh, well, they're special. They don't have to go through grief. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 for myself, I can only speak for myself, but I've had some really significant losses, a child, a spouse, um, parents, best friend, all of these things. And it, it really made me question, what am I seeing and where is this information coming from and what is beyond this and what came before? And no, I, I for myself, I can only speak. It, it is, I am not I don't escape any pain than anyone else. I, I do, I will not deny that it is nice to be able to see my loved ones when I need to or want to, to mm-hmm. know that they are okay. But that's not an everyday thing for me. It, it just right. isn't. seeing your loved ones is very comforting to me because I know mine are still there. But yeah, I, I'm not, not bypassed anything by this gift. Yeah. So you actually, you objectively see spirit, right? I do. I, I, they look like you and I to me. Um, they will begin to put their thoughts, memories, and emotions onto me. And my job and all of this is try to understand it and translate it. I mean, there are some things that are very easy at this point after 30 plus years of doing this. I, I know what certain signs mean for me, mm-hmm. but I, everyone is unique and everyone is an individual. And so I really like for their personality, who they were here to start to come through for each of us. Yeah. So, um, as, as again, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to go over it again. So, if if I'm, I'm a parent, and I've lost a child. What are what are some what are like the first steps that I can take to to start getting over it? Um, I, I think just allowing yourself to feel what you want to feel. I, when yeah. we start to deny that or medicate that, as a lot of us tend to do with that drinking, alcohol, drugs, whatever, it we we tend to kind. Of, we prolong the suffering um, and then just finding and being aware or open to any way that your child might be trying to let you know that they are okay. They do some really profound things to let us know, hey, we're still a part of this. We're still watching. We're still with you. We're still a part of the family. And really, I think the biggest thing is honoring your grief and starting to find a way to build that relationship with them again. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there, I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. 
I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. So we, we come in and we plan these lives and this, there's, so we, we've talked about some of the really big questions, but I want to ask you this one. So do, do people soul plan evil things? Do people come in and plan to be to be bad guys? Well, that's very subjective, but yes, they do. I mean, that, um, I think if you've read anything by um, Robert Schwartz, he's talked a lot about soul planning, and I, 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 I really uh, agree with a lot of what he says. To to have really powerful lessons, sometimes I have to go through what could be perceived as a really negative catalyst. And and that person, are they the bad guy? Are they evil? No, they've just agreed to help me with my spiritual growth process. So. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that we should empty out prisons or no one should have accountability and anything because those are powerful lessons as well, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I really struggle to see anything as innately evil or bad, even some really dark things that people will do to each other. Um, let me see if I can explain that a little bit better. I don't think every soul is as advanced as every other soul. I think some of us have been here numerous times or maybe don't need to come here as often. And those of us maybe that are newer here just doing this, we might be the ones agreeing to be that catalyst for someone else. So yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've had this conversation with people. And, and one of the one of the things that, come that comes up is people say, well, you're saying there's no such thing as evil. So therefore, we shouldn't punish anyone that should that you said prisons. Oh, I, I, no, 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 no. I Listen, to me, evil really negates, it negates a religious metaphor. And I don't ever want to offend anyone in their beliefs. So I'm going to take that out. Um, let's go something to harm another. I think we all yeah. do that. It's really just the magnitude with which we do it and how right. that precipitates our growth. If you step on my foot, I can either go, oh gosh, that really hurt and, and yell at you for an hour. Or I go, okay, that was an accident. My toe is going to feel better and move along. Which, which one helps both of us in this process? Probably the latter. You know, it's, it's my reaction to how you behave, but also there is behavior that needs to have consequences. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and and I think you touched on this earlier. I think it's really important that we say this, you know, the consequences are part of it because while we, we can talk from a higher plane about there's no good or evil and, and everything is, is the same, on this plane, there are things that we we should do and shouldn't do. I mean, Absolutely. I think it's important to say that it's it's not okay to harm somebody else. Absolutely. And, and we don't say, well, that was sole plan. Therefore, it's okay that I did this to you. That's mm-hmm. not what we're saying here. No. And again, I don't, karma has such a, a a connotation with justice and i want to take that out of it because karma really is just everything balancing out it, it's the yin mm-hmm. and the yang of everything but there does seem to be an instant karma when we hurt someone or or you know when we are hurt and and that how we respond to that is is really our karma so how i how i respond to your act against me or vice versa mm-hmm. it affects you much more than it does me so it's about what's what's life like on the other side. So when we when we transition, what what is what's it like? That's a question I get asked probably ten times a day, and it would be mm-hmm. just as challenging to tell somebody. Well, describe to me what it's like to be a human, because we can all live all over the world and have very different 
um, experiences and not recognize each other as human outside of the outwardly appearance. Um, again, it, it seems to replicate what it looks like here, especially mm -hmm. in the beginning. It, you know, if you need a house, if you need a home, if you need those things, those are provided. Uh, it seems to be very organized event, um, and it does seem to be really grown by thoughts. Uh, if you need to experience something, if you want something, it's really thought driven over there. Um, and, and I do feel that um, our loved ones in spirit really interact with us here to affect change when possible as well too. So there's a, a myriad of topics that go with that. What's life like on the other side? Yeah. Well, I think what you said is actually very profound. You know, I think we tend to think, especially if we have religious background, which a lot of us do, there's heaven, it's got big pearly gates and gold streets and, and mansions, and it's just kind of static and boring and, you know, never, I've, I've never seen any place like that. And conversely, <laughs> I've never seen any place like described as hell. I've mm -hmm. had some, I've seen some people talk about hellish experiences, but, but nothing that seems to last forever and nothing again that, that, you know, there's, it's perfection over there. There's not, there's no pain. There's no discomfort. There's no trauma none of those things exist it really is just a, a connection with source whatever that is to each of us and again a, a connection with those still here in the physical so it's kind of a continuance of, of our journey here it, it really is it that's how it appears to me and there's growth over there and there's also stagnation over there hmm. as well too. interesting stagnation how does that how does that work um, I think for a lot of us, if we are, you know, as especially as we get closer to planning our, our, our life plan, if we're coming in, um, we are very optimistic. We're very, we're very buoyed by this ex experience that we're about to have. We, we are excited about that. And then we come in, we have that experience, we go back and we do the life review and then it's kind of like, oh, I need a break for a little while. So there, there seems to be a lot of just relaxing and pleasurable things that go on, you know, uh, growth yeah. and learn always there, but, but not everyone needs to be doing their very best every second of the day to know that they are loved and valuable in spirit. And here we kind of feel the desire to do more and do better to, to have value and worth. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you were saying that it reminds me of a few years ago, I was talking with a friend and we were talking about the concept of reincarnation. And she said, when you bring, whenever you mention the word reincarnation, I just start crying. I do not want to do this again. This she'd had a really, really hard life. I, I would say that as well too. And then I had an NDE, you know, ten years ago, and I knew instantly as soon as my soul left, I I wanted to come back. I wanted to do this better. I wanted to do this differently. And and it wasn't over some huge mistake or error, or wrong to someone. I just knew I could have done better. And I that's the sense I really get from people in spirit. Not immediately. So I don't want anyone to think that immediately after <laughs> you go, you decide to come back. That period really seems to be at least 50 years for most of us before and oftentimes longer because we do try to come back and do it with the same group of people and do it better uh, or allow you to have the the counter experience to what I experienced this time so but I I really I do believe in reincarnation I remember real quickly um, when I was born telling my mom I I am a black male from South Carolina I do not recognize this body I got my leg blown off in Vietnam I I had the name and my family members and my mom wisely wrote all of that down and then oh, when wow. the internet came out 25 30 years later we actually found that family so for me all of that was removed and released because I I had a concrete connection to what I was before I think that's a unique experience I'm not mm -hmm. saying most of us have that but my memories were very clear and have continued to be about other times that I was here. And so for me, 
going to life planning just seems very logical. It, mm-hmm. it really does. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. But I, and I can tell you again, working with parents like I do, most of us are like, okay, I don't want to do this again, right? Like, ever. Um, but for me, it's been almost five years and now I'm at the point where it's like, yeah, maybe after a while, maybe I would do it again, but. And again, it's, <laughs> it's not immediate and, and we're very supportive. There's no feeling of you must or, or pressured or that, that is non-existent on the other side. It really seems to be our higher self and knowing that, you know, I want to continue to grow and have these experiences as much as I've learned now. I, I know it's, it's a drop in the bucket of what's possible. Yeah, there's something about being human that seems to, we do, we want to grow and we want to get better. And that goes back to what we initially started talking about with the soul planning. You know, you would think, and I, I remember this was many, many years ago, I was talking with someone and being an African American, I said, you know, if I were looking up from heaven and I was planning on coming to earth, we're, why would I ever plan to be black in America? I mean, I, I was like, that would be a silly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward 35 plus years. And now I see, okay, now I see why you would plan some challenges. Right. So if we look at that and we look at like, again, with, with our child passing, if you look at it from a perspective of this is permanent, it's over, it's done, right. I'm never going to see them again, then it makes no sense at all. Right. We right. never plan that. But if we look at it from a perspective of this is a temporary thing and she's fine and she's happy and she's healthy and she's whole mm-hmm. still with me and I'm going to see her again, yes. then we can maybe open up to the possibility. Right. And again, sometimes the body is the very important thing that we want to have. Some people want to have a a physical disability or a mental disability or or a real physical struggle of some kind. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the soul group, the family. So, you know, hey, there's a body available. I want to come in and have this experience with you. That's what I choose to do. So I, I think it could be a little bit of both in most situations. And some of these experiences, uh, I've heard people that have had cancer that have said it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. I, I, I know a mother that had a severely disabled son that said, you know, he taught her all about unconditional love and is extremely happy that, you know, that she had that experience with him. So these are things that if we can see them while we're in the physical, we can look back then maybe we could expand a little bit. And when it comes to this, the idea of soul planning, I just ask people, just think about it. Just Think, like as you had said, what could the lesson be? I mean, you don't have to necessarily buy into right. it, but oh just- no, yeah, I mean, and I don't think everyone should just swallow this and subscribe as this is truth because I and my truth has evolved, and I hope mm-hmm. that it continues to evolve. But as I understand it best, it it really makes the most sense out of me. It's the knowledge and, and knowing that I came in with, and and that it just has expanded. So. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't take away from our free will at all. Because again, I could shave my head and move to an ashram in India tomorrow and decide to not do this anymore. Would I be not following what I plan to do? Probably, probably, but that's okay as well too. I would have another opportunity to come back and do it better differently or just go, okay, I learned all that I could do on that. I, I, there's a lot of free will in everything. Yeah. Again, I think that some people, you know, people want to hold on to that, but, um, for me, I, I guess there is free will. I mean, we have to we have to live as if there's free will. I mean, because right. we don't if we don't know what the we, so we have to get up every morning with decide what color socks am I going to put on? Right? Am I going to do turn left or right here? So we don't don't get all caught up thinking that it's every every minute is planned out, even though maybe it is. Because there's there I just saw an article the other day that all Einstein even said this: all time exists at the same time. 
Now that is something I do believe in. So when you, yeah, I mean that, that I think is profound. I think we can come in at any point. And oh, here's one thing too, I'd like to add. Mm -hmm. One of the things people in spirit often will show me is wonderful, beautiful memories or experiences, especially with those loved ones. And they tend to replay those over and over and over again, because they can connect with that great joy so much. And they will always say, these were plans so that we could hold on to these memories to get us through these moments when we are apart from each other. So that's a pretty profound statement for, you know, that's been made to me numerous times as well. Mm. Go back to the beauty, go back to when there was a lot of love. That's a really good way to get our energy up to, to connect with them and, and know that those are memories that they are replaying as well too. Yeah. But I think that's really, that's really profound. That's really important because that having that ongoing connection, I was just talking with someone earlier today uh, who, had, who had lost her mother and you know she's she said she believes her, her mother's in heaven her mother's with god she was a good person and i was said but well, you know but i i want you to also think about your mother still being with you right and i find for me that is really beneficial i i i see my daughter as being with me we continue our relationship i Absolutely. talk to her every day um so i i how do you feel about that I, I know that it's true. I mean, I, I have these experiences I've seen, especially with, you know, losing a husband and then coming in and seeing all the ways that he kind of lined things up in the, the continued relationship that I'm able to have with him now. Very powerful. Same with my child. One, one of the nice things about at least being open to life planning is mm -hmm. that, or, or soul planning is that it does kind of force us to not uh, succumb to victimhood in a lot of ways. You know, it really tried to take control. And, and when bad things happen, it, it's not as arbitrary as it might feel. And some people, that's a really difficult concept for them to grasp because anything external from us having control over us explains a lot. It, it really does to most people. But when you can really take control and re-empower yourself to agree to this, why did I agree with it? What do I do with this? That's where I think we begin to recapture our, our, our connection with those on the other side as well too. Yeah. Well, you, as you were talking about that, it reminded me of something else. Another issue I, that I, with with karma or soul planning is that if we see someone suffering, we could say, "Well, they did, they planned it, or they deserved it." And well, the most compassionate part is is that they do not deserve it, but they did plan it. And what can I do to alleviate their suffering? Because maybe that's the reason why they planned it. So we would have an opportunity to come in and and make it better for them or to make these big changes that seems to be huge part of why people agree to go through something that to you and i might look very painful or unnecessary or punitive in any way hey you're going to do something about this what what are you going to do to make this better yeah and i that, that I, I agree 100 percent with what you just said so i just wanted to to put that out there because i when i've heard about you know again karma especially it could it can lead to a misunderstanding that a lack of compassion right where we say let's just they plan that so let's or they deserve that so let's leave the minute whereas you said it's it's no it's the converse this world i think has these these lacks the 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 things that the 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 evil as we call it the bad things to give us an opportunity to practice to do to better to right? practice compassion yeah. yeah yes because if there was no lack if there was no need we, we, we have no opportunity to help. What would be the point of coming here? You know, yeah. because that would be like it is on the other side where everything is perfect. And and again, how, I don't, I can't speak for you. I'll speak for me. How does Isabella learn the best when things are unpleasant? I wish it wasn't so. I, I wish I could learn these big lessons when everything was going really well. Um, but it gives us a tremendous opportunity to alleviate suffering, pain, discomfort, 
from others and to have a bigger compassion. I'm not always going to agree, especially politically with a lot of things that are going on now. We're very divided. But how can I look at what you believe is, is equally as important, valuable, and and honor that as well, too, while still trying to do what I feel is right and necessary? So there is it, it requires respect and compassion, I think. Well, you know, you, you touched on that in the film uh, that you that you had done. Um, what was the, what was the name of the film again? After I think Life to Afterlife. I life to after, yeah, yeah. Um, tragedy. There's something tragedy. tragedy. Yeah, Life to Afterlife. It's yeah. on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, the thing about human beings do learn through pain, and and I've heard people say, "Well, I really wish it wasn't that way." But I, the more I think about, it, I think it's an evolutionary thing. I think, I think it's biology. If we're doing something that's working as as an organism, it makes sense to keep doing something that's working until it stops right. working. So that's the why that's why we are the way that we are. But that means that either through seeing someone else's pain, I can learn. We can learn by example. Mm-hmm. But more often, it's by our own pain that the that the growth comes. Right. Well, I, listen. I was a medium before I lost a child, and I I did not have the same depth of compassion for a parent as I did as soon as I lost a child. You know, Mm -hmm. I really profound and I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful to know what that feels like to, I can't warn you where all the pitfalls are, but I can warn you enough. And at least I'll I'll walk with you through this. I'll hold your hand as you go through this because I know the pain in that as well too. So any area where we can make it easier for others, I think that's our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. And I wouldn't be doing this if it hadn't been for my daughter's passing. And but as I look back through my life, again, getting back to the soul planning thing, I, f- I had this intense fear of death my entire life, okay. which caused me to do all this studying about NDEs and the afterlife and all that stuff, thinking that I was going to die suddenly. I, I, I didn't think I would live you know, to, to be very old. Mm-hmm. But when my daughter did pass, I never doubted where she was. I mean, I, that, was, that was a blessing for me that I, I knew where Shana was and I always felt that, you know, that she was okay. And she'd even made a few comments that gave us some premonitions that she didn't think she was going to, to be here for a very long time. So we did have those things, but because of her passing, I'm doing what I'm doing now. Right. And it, it has given me a whole different perspective on, on life. And I'm here to hopefully help other people. Yeah, look at someone like Elizabeth or Mark who who took yeah. the tragedy and did something that's helping so many people. And, and would that have been possible without going through what they went through? Probably not. I, I can't say for certain, but we can take all of these things. And as for yourself, having that, there's something I want to add to that. A lot of us, and, and this seems to be a little bit taboo for most of us to talk about, especially parents, having that foreboding or that feeling something is just not the same with this child or or or, or even if it was like yourself you know I just I need to know about death because this might be important to me one day and and being slightly askew on that I think a lot of us have had those experiences where we just felt something off Mm -hmm. um, without knowing exactly what that is that this was going to and I've some people say profoundly I knew the day before my child wasn't here that they were not going to be here and some lesser degrees of that but I you know there does seem to be this connection that that we're given a grace that they are okay and that we too will will be okay as well too yeah I think there's there's a uh, there's a something that kind of prepares us for it without us without us consciously knowing yeah right yeah yeah, without us, without without us consciously knowing. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bypass you know the grief and all that stuff, but it does. I think it softens it, you know. And there, 
when you're going through grief there, you can, the, the first thing it can be like, where did they go? Are they, do they still exist? You know, right. That's a, that's yeah. a big thing. That's a big question to answer, you know, right away. Again, especially if it's a child, um, the guilt is another really com complicating factor. I mean, grief and grief is bad enough without those two things. So right. if, we can, if we can take those two things away from people, then we maybe we make the grief a little bit more bearable. Right. Uh, I, I don't know that it's possible to take those away 100% of the time. I think those are, you know, I think those are powerful questions that we should ask. Sure, because yeah. It really forces us to, to, to see what we believe about that. And sometimes what we've believed all of our life just no longer fits. And that's okay as well, too. It, it should always be expanding and growing. Um, but I, but my hope is with all, at least this conversation that we will begin to ask these questions. What if, just what if I agree to yeah. this? What if I plan this? What does, what does that change for you? What yeah. does it change for your loved one in spirit? You know, can we, can we take away the guilt and the blame just for a minute and think of the possibility that this was always how it was going to happen? Yeah. Well, I can tell you for me, um, again when suzanne said that this has been about four years ago now it was, it was a few you know a few months after shana had passed when shana came through and said this is the way it's supposed to it was supposed to have been it couldn't have been any other way right that was that was helpful i mean it didn't take anything away right away but right again as a parent i mean shana passed from a heart condition in her bed i had nothing to do with it but we go through crazy things in our mind to find ways to blame ourselves. Should I oh, take her? I went back to my pregnancy. What could I have done differently? Did I, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I can't speak for fathers, but as a mother, I questioned every choice that I'd ever made. Was I too generous? Was I not, you know, what, what could I have done differently? I felt very powerful in that as well as equally unpowerful. And then when I looked beyond that, I was like, wait a minute, there was really nothing that I could have done here. And I know that this was always going to be how it happened because I so strongly felt that to this leading up. Um, what do I do with this now? Mm -hmm. And that's really where I took my jumping off point and just begin to search and yeah. ask questions. Yeah, exactly. It, it's a good place to, to, like you said, start asking those questions and to explore these possibilities and to hopefully stop you know, beating ourselves up because uh, that's a very common thing that people do. Um, we feel like, I don't know. I think we feel like we're kind of supposed to feel bad. We're not supposed to get better. Um, I, I mean, I, I, again, I had some of that in the, in the very right. early stages. I was like, I don't plan to get better. I don't, I, I, I my daughter's gone. I'm never going right. to get better. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. You know, but again, I, that's not a place where most people stay. It, it just isn't maybe for a time we stay yeah. there, but it, it, we seem to kind of roll into the next stage or the next part. But, you know, those are powerful questions to ask, even even those. I'm not going to do better. I, for myself, I didn't want to live for a very long time. Right. I did not want to live. And I had some plans to make that happen. Thank gosh I never did anything. But, I, you know, I don't want to deny those emotions that come along with it. This is the biggest loss. That, this is the worst thing that will ever happen to any of us. Yeah. Well, we I th can't imagine surviving it while we're in it. It, exactly. And that's, that's the thing. And, and that's what I want to do. Give people the hope of, even though you can't imagine it right now. And I couldn't, right. and I would talk to people and they're like, you're going to get better. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm right. not going to get better. I don't want to get better. Right. But we, we don't have to stay there, you know, and, and we can it's find impossible it. to stay there. Right. It, it, it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm much further out than you are. And I was in that place for about 13 or 14 months. And then it just rolled into the next. And I went back a little bit, but if I tried to get myself in that spot again, I couldn't do it. I, I right. just, you know, 
we never have all good days and we never have all bad days that last forever. Every that's one constant is change. Yeah. Even when you're in this hell, it does get different. Now, I know it's been quite a while for you. Do you still hear from your daughter? I do not as much. I, and that's because of me. I, I don't feel the need to do that. Um, mm -hmm. She'll show up every couple of months and I'll see her and I'll know her. Um, when I, when I did have my ND, I saw my daughter instantly. So I'd really like to make sure that people hear that when, when we do leave the body, that is the first face that we see. We do see yeah. our loved ones. I saw my daughter as I knew her last when she was here. So there is that recognition and that knowing, and it honestly, it was just as if no time had separated us at all. It was as if we'd been apart for a breath and that was it. Would you mind telling me about your NDE? Um, yo, no, I, I have a brain tumor and every year I would go get an MRI and they would put some dye in my arm. And this one year I just had an allergic reaction to it. And oddly enough, I knew that was going to happen as well. Mm. I didn't know exactly, but I just felt this was different. This was wrong. This was off. Um, and then they did it and my heart stopped. And I mm. remember looking at my body as my soul came out thinking, how did all of this, whatever this is, fit into that little body? <laughs> and then instantly that next that next knowing was my child was right there. And I began to know everything that was going on in the room below my with my body. You know, the, the medical staff working to resuscitate me, that I could tell you verbatim what was said, and I have no medical background at all. Mm -hmm. Then I remember seeing my children that are still here and knowing profoundly that how their life would be and how it would go on without mom and what impact I would have in that. And I didn't want to come back. I just, I, that those moments I did not want to come back. And then probably 30, 45 seconds after that, I began to do the life review, which I, I don't know that it's this quick for everyone because mm -hmm. I knew I would be coming back at that point. I was already being told you're going to have to come back. And I'm like, Oh no, wrong person. And you know, you're not seeing this correctly. And as I begin to see these things, I, I got excited to come back and I thought, okay, I can do this better. I can do this differently. Never, never really believing I would come back into the body that was laying on the, the gurney mm -hmm. or thinking I'd come back again. Oh. So I was there. I, now they were doing resuscitation for five minutes. So I can documented no heartbeat for that long. Um, but it seemed to be much longer and all so, so much shorter as well too. And then mm. boom, falling back into the body and just being in a considerable amount of pain with having no pain leaving and, and a tremendous amount coming back. And it, it was the best experience of my entire life was dying. Mm. The, the best thing that ever happened to me was that. So, yeah. So it was very peaceful and, and it, wa it was, it was beautiful. I mean, it was profoundly beautiful. There was no fear. There was a real knowing in every fiber of, of whatever me was that I was home that, you know, and I, I changed my definition of God after that experience. God mm. was love. And that mm -hmm. was all that I could feel was how loved I had always been. What a good job I had done here. And, and that might not have been evident in my um, assessment of my life, but that mm -hmm. was what I felt so strongly over there. Uh, it, it was just extremely powerful. I wish this for everyone without having to go through any of the side effects of it. It, it yeah. was just a powerful, powerful experience. Well, you, you know, for us who haven't been through it, it's great to hear it over and over again, because every time I hear it, I, you know, I, I can kind of feel it and get a, get a little bit of an impression of what it's like. And I think for, again, a lot of us have a, a, a fear. Well, I think most of us have a fear of death. It's a natural thing. I don't thing. want to die. I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I'm not looking forward to the process of death, but mm -hmm. I have no fear about where I'm going to go. And here's something unique that I really want to highlight. I, mm -hmm. I had small children or smaller children when this happened. And as a parent, you know, 
our focus is on, oh, my kids need me. I know when I, after my daughter died, I've micromanaged the life for everybody. And I just thought that that was needed. So we never have any more of these surprises again. Mm -hmm. And I was stunned, beautifully stunned how detached I felt from my children and, and their autonomy for me and knowing again, life planning, that this was something they had agreed to as well too, or the possibility for that to happen and what their lives would unfold. And I, I think when we are on the other side, that's where all of our memories come back. Oh yeah, that was exactly as it was supposed to be. I think that's why it's so easy for people in spirit to go, yep, this is working out just as it should. Yeah, that brings up another good point because I've talked to, I've had a lot of people that um, I've heard people that have NDEs and they say, why didn't my son come back? Why didn't my daughter come back? If they, if, if uh, I was interviewing Peter Panagor and someone said, well, if Peter was given a choice, you know, if, I know my daughter wasn't given a choice because if right. she had a choice, she would have come back. I, 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 my choice was taken away from me because I didn't want to come back. I, I really did not. Here I was. So I think if it if if the physical death occurs and it you know it was supposed to, um, I, I I can't speak to someone else's ability to have a choice in that matter. I you know I I cannot. Mine was I didn't want to come back and here I was and and I was bothered by that for a while. I was a little upset that I had to come back but I, I was forever changed. Again, it was profoundly beautiful. So if you, if you have someone in spirit, that's because that's where they were supposed to be at that time. Yeah, I think that's the important thing, Isabella, because uh, again, I've heard, I've heard people say, well, my my loved one must not have been given a choice. And But, but what I, I always go for, what was, was the first thing we do know? We do know that none of us stays in this body forever, period. Right. We no, all, we're not. No one's celebrating their 800th birthday this yeah, year. No one's going to do that. We all we all go home at some point. So I always say it's just a matter of it's a matter of when and how we go home. And I think what you said is very important. It's it's when the timing is right, the timing is right, and that might be at the age of five days old, or five years old, or fifty years old, or 120 years old. Right. And it's, it's, it's the timing that's right for that person. For a parent, you know, it's kind of hard to accept sometimes. But from the perspective of spirit, you know, my daughter was 15. Is that really different from someone that was 80 or 90? Right. In, in, in the span of eternity? And they need to come in for those lessons that last 15 years, or they need to come in to make the impact of 15 years. And then they go, and what did they leave behind? That's really the legacy. And that's how we keep them alive is, is making sure they're a part of everyday life. So I agree hundred percent with what you say. It's, it's not about the number of days, weeks, months, or years that someone's here. It's, it's how they're remembered and loved. And that relationship continues. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really important for people to understand. So Isabella, we were talking before we got started. I know, um, you still you're still doing readings, but you're like extremely busy right now. Right? I do uh, I don't I, I do a lot of readings during the day. Um, I love what I do, but yeah, I, I I'm very busy these days. Yeah. So uh, if people want to reach you, they can reach you at the soulreadingmedium.com. Soul Reading Medium, I think on Facebook as well too. There should be a Facebook page, Isabella Johnson, the Soul Reading Medium, and again through certified mediums as well too. Um, several different ways to reach out, make an appointment if you yeah, want. Yeah, and, and Isabella is a is a great certified um, medium. I, I was one of your test sitters when you sat for for Mark Island certification, and I know that you're just really amazing. So, if anybody wants to reach out to Isabella, you should do that through those those channels. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts you want to give? I I just hope people are at least open to the possibility that we have agreed to all of this, that this was planned, that we are we are never forever away from someone that we love and that that 
life is good. Even when it doesn't feel that way, life is a wonderful opportunity to continue to grow and learn and to support and help others through that process as well, too. So just open up your mind and, and see how it feels to you. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Isabel. I really appreciate doing this. Thank I know you. you're Thank extremely you, busy. It's good seeing you. you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.